What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Warrior 5 Podcast. I'm Mitch McCumber. Alongside me, Brady Click. Hey, what's up? Bryce Click. And Adam Cash. Hello. Logan will be with us on future episodes. Uh, we're a group of five friends taking our sports banter from the group chat to the mic. So uh, if you enjoy, please subscribe. Today we're going to be talking about a couple things. Thing we're a little late to the party on. And uh, I hate to say it, but LA wins another championship. Another one. Uh, LeBron back at it. Uh, got himself an MVP. They played pretty well. Um, and they, they beat the Heat. You know, it's uh, I don't think they had the hardest road to get there. But still, congratulations for him. He's got four rings. And, uh, yeah. Anyone have anything to add with, it, with that, I guess? I was really hoping the Nuggets would have come out with, instead of the Lakers. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, let's let's not have the Lakers winning it hide the fact of that Jimmy Butler put it absolutely out on the line for his team and try and win it after what was a game three or four after he got fouled and he just looked dog tired but he just willed it out to the end it was crazy yeah definitely uh Jimmy Butler I mean the entire year you could tell from the time that he got to Miami really turned that program around um everyone talks in like even in college about culture changers and I think Jimmy really was that. I mean, they, he had guys going to practice earlier. Um, you could tell just by body language on and off the, the court that they were a, a different team when he, when he came along. And, you know, it was really cool to see. I mean, if you, if you gave a guy an MVP not for winning um, anything or doing any sort of accolades, but, like, actually being the most valuable player on that team, Jimmy Butler would win that MVP for sure. Yeah, I, I would agree. And also, I just remember back on – I think it was the Minnesota Timberwolves and people got after him for just trying to get Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns to just try harder and just be better players even in practice like he took the dang practice squad players in the water boy and just destroyed them so you can't get anything against Jimmy Butler not at all. And again, you know, all credit goes to to the to the Lakers uh, for sticking out. LeBron James doing LeBron James things. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis played really well as well. Um, and you know, it's they, they look if they keep the same team, they look like they could possibly repeat next year. So we'll kind of see how it goes. It's going to be interesting, very interesting NBA offseason for sure. Yeah, going back to what you said about bringing the whole Lakers team back. They have, I'm pretty sure it was Kuzma, LeBron, and Caruso are the only ones that have contracts into the next season. Otherwise, you got Danny Green, you got Jared Dudley, you got Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, Danny Green. I think I already said him. I'm not sure. But you got Rajon Rondo. You got all those guys that are coming up on free agency or restricted, unrestricted, whatever. And you just wonder if the Lakers have enough money and cap space to keep that group together. I yeah. think there's one missing piece to that Miami Heat team. And it could be Giannis. Giannis could bring that team a championship with ease. Look what they did without anybody besides Jimmy Butler and a bunch of guys that weren't really talked about throughout the year. Like, um, what's his name? Bam Obadiah. Did you hear anything about him throughout the season? Not much. 
Not much. So I think it do, he doesn't really fit their system because they don't have a lot of three-point shooters in the first place. And if you put him on that team, you're not – you don't have any shooting. And I think he would be a better fit for someone like Golden, uh, Golden State. <laughs> because Bryce is really getting mad at me right now. He's throwing his head against the wall, so I'm going to give him the mic. They have a ton of shooters. They have Duncan Robinson. He was one of the best shooters this year. Yes, he's unknown as of right now. Well, well, he's known, obviously. But he was one of the best three-point shooters this year. Yes, that is without Steph Curry and Klay Thompson playing this year. But he's still one of the top in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, kind of going on, on Bryce's part, they they, they had shooters cash. Um, I think they're, um, what they needed was a strong 4-5 presence. I think Giannis brings that. Um, will it fit well? I'm not 100% for sure. Um, I think Giannis actually, like the whole year I was thinking Giannis to Golden State, Giannis wants out. I, I think Giannis stays in Milwaukee. I really do. Um, I He's a small market guy, not saying that the – the Heat are necessarily a huge market. They're pretty big. Um, but I think he stays small market. I think he stays in Milwaukee. I think he does everything he can to win them a championship, try to bring someone in. Um, but, I mean, kind of going to, to Bryce's thing, uh, the, the Heat have shooters, man. They have shooters. Getting Giannis with that, I could see a ring in their future. I really could. So before I let Bray talk, I was thinking they were talking about the Lakers, of course. So oh, okay, okay. So okay, I'm gonna give it to Brady now. I mean, the thing about Giannis, and I agree with you, Mitch. I think that at the start of the year there was talks that he wants to leave since, and like he said at the start of the year, if we don't win, I'm gonna think about moving. Yeah, they didn't win, but they didn't have much around him. Like I think you get a what they really need is because they have good players. They have they have decent players. They don't have like a stellar lineup like Golden State a couple of years ago had with Clay, Steph, Draymond, and KD. But you get a, a veteran guard in there like none other than Chris Paul, who's coming up on free agency. Look for the Bucks to be in the East, Eastern Conference Finals, if not the Finals next year. No, I agree. I agree. We need that Chris Middleton. When, when did Giannis get hurt? What game? Two or three. I think it's two or three. That game and the game after when Giannis was hurt, Chris Middleton looked like a whole new player. He looked like an MVP candidate. He played like an MVP candidate for only really those two games throughout that entire playoff. He never was really dominant in any other game besides when Giannis went out. Yeah, and you and you need a you need a full squad to play to their caliber, especially in the playoffs. And you know, Eastern Conference wasn't a joke this year. And you know, a lot of people banter the Eastern Conference being kind of a, a pushover. Conference in the Western Conference is where it's at. Um, and this year, it, it wasn't. I mean, there was Boston looked good. Miami looked good. Um, you had a lot of teams that had injuries that could have been um, um, better this year. So, yeah, definitely uh, definitely interesting to see where Giannis goes, if he goes anywhere. We'll see. The other thing is, like, if you think Giannis is going to go somewhere, is this what will put him over the top? Will this make him what LeBron James did with Miami? Will this be able to get his run of going to the championships? That's the huge question that's over his head. Is he going to stay with the Bucks and be basically beloved there forever? 
Or is he willing to take the risk and be hated for maybe about six months, but get that ring? Yeah, we'll definitely see. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously everyone has their favorite player and wants him to win a ring. Um, and I think for the people of Milwaukee, for what Giannis has done, if he were to leave, would they be sour? Kind of like the people in Cleveland were when LeBron left? Yes. Oh, for sure. But he came back and, and LeBron won them a championship when he came back. And, and the city forgives him. I, I mean, I'm sure there are some people that still have a little hate in their heart for LeBron James. But if Giannis can't find a way to win it in Milwaukee, if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan or even an NBA fan, you want him to go somewhere and win a ring. Like, you, there's always those guys that you're like, man... You know, what if they would have got that ring? And you, you want that as superstar player like Giannis to go win a ring, no matter where it's at. I wouldn't care if he went and joined the super squad out in, in L.A., either one, the Clippers or the Lakers. If he won himself a ring, good for Giannis. I mean, going back to this Giannis thing about him leaving for a super team like Cash said, what sparks the question for me is, does – is Giannis leaving to go to a super team like Cash said, like LeBron, where he went to Miami? Then it sparked the question in my head of whose move was kind of weaker, KD going to Golden State or LeBron going to Miami? Because you got to see that Golden State already had those good players on their team and already won finals, already been in the finals before. KD just hopped on the ship. LeBron, although D Wade was already in Miami, Chris Bosh wasn't, so they kind of had to form it around but they still had a super team in, in contact. So kind of just sparks the question. Yeah, because even at that point, that's when everybody was talking about how LeBron wasn't even clutch. And even before Kevin Durant went to Golden State, everybody knew this guy, if you need someone to take the last shot, just give it in his hands. That was the one knock on LeBron James before he got any championships because he couldn't ever finish the game. He would always... At that, even that first year with the Miami Heat, he would always still give the ball to Dwayne Wade in those crutch moments. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with you, Cash, a little bit. Um, LeBron, you can't say LeBron like wasn't clutch in his first couple of years. I mean, took a team that West, that first team he took to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, and, and uh, took it to the to the NBA Finals when he had literally almost no one. And granted, it's it's not in his clutch gene to not make the shot. It's just that they weren't set up enough to have him make that clutch shot. Um, and I think like the, the when going back on Brady's point with the KD and LeBron thing, um, everyone turns to KD lost to this Golden State team in the playoffs where LeBron didn't lose to the Miami Heat in the playoffs and then go join them. I think that's the discrepancy between the two. I don't think either of them are wrong for leaving. Um, everyone talks about the ring chasing thing. If you've ever been in a sport, you're in a sport to compete to win. You're in it to win the championship, and you will do anything you can to win that championship. So I don't see how people can hate on Kevin Durant or LeBron James for like leaving or joining a different team to win a championship because if you were in that same position and you couldn't win it with Team A and Team B you can go and win it with, you're not telling me you're going to stay at Team A. You're going to go to Team B and win a championship because that's what it's all about. Of course you're going to do that, especially with Golden State that year. I think the year before they were 72-5. and 73-9. and nine. 
73 and 9, I thought, was um, the um, Michael Jordan so, team. But that, um, that I could be way, wrong. they won a lot of games. Understandable. Yes. Going back to Mitch's point, you don't want to be a player that was really good and end your career without a championship. Like, look at, look at the great Vince Carter. He was easily a top, what, 25 player of all time? Oh, of all time. For of sure. all time. And... He was just that guy that was, nah, I'm not going to go ring chase. I'm going to try and build something. Which, credit him to that, you you like to see that loyalty to a team. But you also want to have that winner, you know? Exactly. You don't want to just, nah, I didn't. What could have been. Exactly. What could have been. Well, moving from basketball to baseball, we got a World Series going on right now, boys. And game one. Dodgers took it. Looks pretty dominant. Clayton Kershaw got that win that everyone's knocking him for. Came up clutch in the postseason. Dealt a gem. Game two comes around. Snell looked unhittable. Literally unhittable for the Rays. And then Lau, low, however you want to say his last name, doesn't matter. The ball wasn't low. The ball was rocketed out of that ballpark. That man came to play we're gonna kind of be pregame game Once, three here twice and we're gonna kind of see we got bryce is a huge dodger fan so i'd love to see his take on this series and how it's gonna go um the rest of us are kind of you know just regular baseball fans our teams aren't in it so we'll, we'll kind of get to what we're going with here uh we'll, i'll pass off to birdie birdie what do you think um about game one and two and then what do you foreshadow happening in game three well starters game one like i told you what in our twitter dms that uh when dodgers came out and said that they were starting clayton kershaw with his recent postseason i was suspecting a raise win to be honest i would have never thought that clayton kershaw would have come out and pitch a gem like he did like i was astonished to be honest but credit to him he's a professional for a reason he knows when to come in the clutch and world series it's time to do that in game two brandon lau <laughs> Going bon- Gonzo twice, like you don't really see that very much in the World Series. But yeah. all around, it's been a great series so far, and just kind of looking forward to the next games. You know, definitely. Looking at Clayton Kershaw's ERA throughout his postseason career, it is not a good number. It's not a pretty number. I think it's like five sixty-four. I thought it was roughly. like four and a half, for sure. It's about five sixty-four. I think is what it sells at. But what he did in that game one, he really only had one major mistake that really cost him. Yep. There's a hanging slider on the curveball, which, sorry, hanging slider that went yard. And that was about the only pitch. That's the pitch. He likes it, but I do not like it. I don't like it. It's either strike three or it's gone. It's one of those two. But game two, Dodgers, the bats did not come out because Blake Snell tossed a gem. He was hitting every single spot. He was just a great pitcher that game, man. I think the Dodgers are going to come out hungry in Game 3. Yeah, we will definitely see in Game 3. Um, you know, we we talked about Game 1 being a Kershaw game and Game 2 being a Snell game. Um, you know, Game 3 is going to be a coin flip of, of, of who you want on the mound. I mean, you got Walker Buehler for the Dodgers and Charlie Morton for the Rays. <laughs> I mean... These two guys could go out on a mound on any given Sunday and throw a no-hitter, and now you're playing in the World Series. I could see 
either one of these guys throwing a no hitter. I don't, I think if you were watching this game, the runs are going to be at a minimum, um, unless you know you, you go to the bullpen early. I think um, both these guys are going to have it dealing. I think it's going to be a two run game, you know, probably like a three to three to one, four to two type game. It's not going to be a lot. The runs are going to come later in the innings. Um, I expect game three to be a pitcher's duel and a good one at that. Like Mitch said, it's a pitcher's duel, but it's going to be a very defensive game. Look at the outfield for both teams. For the Dodgers, they got two of the best defensive players well, in the outfield. Both two gloves, two golden glove finalists for this year. Cody Bellinger has made some robbing plays like he did against Fernando Tatis. That really saved that game. Mookie Betts saved the last series with some of his plays. The shoot screen catch and then the rob of the home run by Freddie Freeman. That changed the game around. And then Kevin Kiermaier, on the other hand, makes a catch about every single game that just blows you away. And also going to your point, the race got basically Walmart version of Mike Trout and Hunter Renfro. He's been doing well this postseason. It's crazy. But going back to the game three, it's, yeah, like you said, going to be a pitcher's duel. I think um, with the way both teams' bullpens are, I think whoever gets to the bullpen first is going to win the game. So the question for all you guys, who are you taking in this? I I'm really think that L.A. always chokes in this. So I'm going Tampa Bay in six. All right, Tampa in six. Uh, obviously, that's going to make Bryce very angry, so we'll get to his take here in a little bit. Um, I honestly think I think both teams are very talented. I think Tampa is um, young, so they're willing to make mistakes. Um, and you have the veteran leadership on the other side with LA. So it's the complete polar opposites. Not that Tampa doesn't have anyone in the that hasn't had World Series experience. I'm not saying that um, LA has anyone that hasn't. Um, but you go down to it. And I think I think it's Dodgers in six. I, I think they come back game three, get a win there. I think they split um, and go 2-2 in the series. And I think the Dodgers wrap it up after that and get two more wins and, and, and really ride it out. I think the game three is going to be so pivotal that it's going to be hard for either team that were to lose to come back from. But I think the Dodgers win game three and then they end up winning – uh, two more after that and getting a World Series. Um, yeah, game three, I think the Dodgers will take this one. The bat, like I said, their bats are hungry. Walker Buehler is coming out really hot. Yes, Charlie Morton, I'm aware that he is also pitching very hot. But these Dodger bats are very hungry. Game number four, I think it's going to be a bullpen duel. I think it's going to be a bullpen duel, just like the last game was. Both teams are going to go to the bullpen sort of early. Well, I know that the Rays can go to the bullpen early last night, but I think it's going to be a bullpen duel like Game 7 was between the Braves and the Dodgers. I think it's going to be the exact same thing. And then Game 5, Kershaw's coming out. They just posted out today that Kershaw's coming out, and he's going to be hungry. He wants some, He has something to prove. He wants to prove people that he's not just a regular season pitcher. I think he's I think six strikeouts away from passing Verlander in the strikeouts for... Um, Postseason record. It's so 209, I believe. Someone 9, 209. He is 205. 205, something like that. It's he's, a, he's at 200. Okay, so he's not very, not far away. Verlander's is 205. Okay. Kershaw just passed John Smoltz last game. 
Yep, and he was at 199. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I got I got Dodgers in six. Dodgers in six. They'll take down Walker Buehler back in game six, and they'll take it from there. My choice, I, I know Bryce isn't gonna like this at all, but I, I would want, I want the Rays to win, just for them to show that you don't need to spend a billion dollars to win a championship. You just need guys who are hungry and and, and want to win a World Series, because you got the Yankees who, are per season, what, what do we say, one hundred and fifteen million in a season, like that. The Rays don't even eclipse 50 million in a season like it's just a crazy number but what i do believe i'm i'm probably gonna go dodgers in seven because i feel like both of these pitching staffs are so well put together that even though the bats are hot for like well they're hungry for the dodgers and the bats are hot obviously last night for the rays um i just think it's going to be more pitching and defense than hitting this point forward it's a very agreeable point. Um, you know, me saying Dodgers in six doesn't mean that it can't be Dodgers in seven. Uh, if the Rays come in and, and sneak one out and we go back and forth um, the entire way, obviously all of America would love to see game seven. Who doesn't love a game seven? Um, everything is raised to a higher standard on game seven. Um, you know, even as a fan, your palms get a little sweaty in game seven. I'm not a Dodger fan or a Rays fan. Palms get a little sweaty. Well, you know, having whoever would be on the mound – uh, for whatever game, and it, it's it's going to be interesting. I think that we'll we'll see the maturity, even of a young team of Tampa Bay, and obviously the maturity of the Dodgers um, here on out. I think Brady is right; it's going to be very defensive. I would be shocked if um, they eclipse the run uh, predictions that that are set out by Vegas. I'd be super shocked. Um, but all in all, it's going to be a great World Series. Um, and it kind of takes your mind off of what's going on now. And I, I'm, as a sports fan, I love it. And also, uh, I love Mookie Betts. Getting people tacos. Free tacos. Yes. Did it in Boston. Doing it in L.A. now. First player ever to get it in two different times. That's clutch. Very clutch for America and tacos. That's right. And that's on Wednesday, I believe, right? Free tacos Wednesday, on next Wednesday. Um, I'm definitely going to be going to Taco Bell and give me a free taco. What great advertising, too, from Taco Bell. Like, I mean, people that don't even care about the World Series found out about it on Twitter, different stuff like that. You go to get a free taco, you're not going just to get a taco. You get other stuff, too. Great advertising. Amazing. And then, yeah, Mookie stole two bases, right? That is correct. I wish they'd give us two tacos, but they won't. I mean, let's be honest. You can't go to Taco Bell and not get a Baja Blast. Like, come on. 100%. You, you're going to get that free taco that Mookie got you, and you're going to get a Baja Blast to go with it. Like, But for people who are somehow not Baja Blast fans, they're going to get a drink with it. You can't just get a taco without a drink. Like, come on. Great advertising, great marketing by their, by their plan there. To be honest, though, like if you're going to a fast food restaurant, you're going to get a drink. I'm not a Baja Blast kind of guy, but... It's, I'll still get a drink. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So uh, if you want, uh, we might be dropping a kind of a poll for the podcast on who you guys think is going to win the series. Um, just drop us, let us know your comments. Uh, let us know anything. If you have any feedback uh, for the series or anything like that that you want us to talk about, uh, I think we're going to be doing another podcast on Saturday. We'll be recapping 
uh, the game on Friday and then um, kind of talking as the game's going on on Saturday as well. So just let us know. Um, we'd be happy to hear your feedback. Moving on from baseball to my favorite sport, college football, baby. College football is back. Big Ten football is back. And we're going to start talking about a couple games here. Uh, there are a couple snoozers. Uh, Clemson plays, uh, who cares? Syracuse. And they're going to, I mean, they play Syracuse close uh, for the past two years. I think uh, Syracuse, was it two years ago? Well, let's not forget. Let's not forget that first there two years ago, like you said. That game, Trevor Lawrence got completely knocked out in the first quarter. So I think it was Chase Bryce, who is now at Duke, had to come in and try to keep Clemson in that game. Yes, of course, you still got all your five-star guys that are your skill positions and your linemen, but come on. The difference between Chase Bryce and Trevor Lawrence is astronomical. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think also, too, you got the run game. Travis Etienne, best running back in football last year. Arguably best running back in football this year. Um, I mean, you got some other guys. I, th- I You know, um, you got Brees Hall from not Iowa to, State. Not to be biased. Um, you also have uh, Alabama. He's slipping my mind. Najee Harris. Najee Harris. Ran for five touchdowns last week. Again, a little bit of a stretch because it was five touchdowns. Um, that was the week before. Week before, I apologize. Yes, you're right. Ranch five touchdowns the week before, so his numbers are kind of a little screwed. But you have a great line, a great backfield, some key wide receivers. Their defense is playing well. I don't see that game being close. Games that I do see being close, we touched on the running back already. It's Iowa State versus Oklahoma State. Iowa State ranked 17, Oklahoma State ranked 6. Now, this game is in Stillwater. Uh, the last couple of meetings have been very close. They have also gone Oklahoma State's way. The last time Iowa State beat Oklahoma State, I believe, call me on this, was when Brock Purdy got his first start. Which would have been three years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Three years ago. Two and a half. It is Brocktober still. Um, Don't think Iowa State has lost. They've Brock. lost one time in October since Brock Purdy has taken Pretty over. Long. You got two great running backs. Chuba Hubbard running for Oklahoma State. You got Brees Hall running for Iowa State. I think this game is very close. I think this game goes down to quarterback play. I, from what I saw, uh, Saunders is going to be playing, which is huge to get their starting quarterback back. Going against Brock Purdy, I give the edge, again, not being biased, I'm an Iowa State fan, to Brock Purdy. And I think this is going to be a close game. I think this game comes down to a field goal. I think it's more of a shootout than people think. Both defenses are very good. But I do think it's going to be a shootout. I would see a game in the 30s going out. And I know everyone that's against Big 12 defenses is going to be like, oh, yeah, it's well, that's, that's a Big 12 defense where you're getting up 30 points. Both these defenses are very good. And, and against any other team would give up very little points. I think Oklahoma State's given up very minimal, maybe 10 or under this year uh they've played probably little to no one on their schedule uh but their defense looks really good iowa state's defense you know outruns that um three three five and it gives people fits even if they've seen it before um i you know they limited in in good hands what they could do against spencer rattler and then last week against texas tech 
Um, I don't know if Texas Tech clipped 100 yards until the fourth quarter. So that's huge. I mean, and that's like I said, that's against the an air raid Big 12 offense. So I think both defenses will come to play. I think they'll make the game difficult for the offenses, but I still think with those two high-powered offenses, it's going to be a game in the 30s for sure. So the one thing is, though, I know Brock Purdy, like this year, at least has this year, was been a little bit inconsistent. Mitch, you're probably going to have to remind me who they played that first week, and he... Uh... Louisiana. Yeah, the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette. That is a legit team. Yeah. Let's, let's not forget. That's that's what um, makes me struggle to like believe in the Purdy magic. But I'm the only non-Iowa State fan in the room, so I'm going to give it back to Mitch. So Brock Purdy has struggled a little bit more this year. Um, he's done some things that have been uncharacteristic of him uh, that start Iowa State for whatever reason starts off the year kind of sluggish. Um, and I'm not sure if that's a preparation. Yeah, yes. Preparation. Preparation issue. Or if it's just that the other team comes to play and we think we're just going to be able to walk all over them. I obviously don't think that was the reason for Louisiana. Um, they're a team that goes to a bowl game every year that they basically own their bowl game. They win it all the time. They are a great team. Um, I think they're still ranked in the top 20 if I'm – Top 25, I'm still correct. They might have lost last week. I'm not 100% for sure there. Uh, but they're a great they're a great team. Um, and Iowa State kind of fumbled uh, there. They had a lot of special teams issues, too, in that game. I think they had two returns on special teams, one punt and one kick taken back. So um, they've kind of cleared that up. And, you know, I obviously the Iowa State fan of me hope Brock Purdy comes to play. Um, and, you know, we'll see. I think Matt Campbell, both of the teams having a bye week, because uh, Oklahoma State was supposed to play Baylor last week, and Iowa State was gonna, uh, scheduled to have a bye. I think both teams coming off a of bye week are going to be ready to play, and it's going to be a slugfest. I mean, it, this game could have definitely been what college game day is up in Minnesota. Um, two good-ranked teams. Obviously, whoever wins this one, probably going to win the Big 12 outright before we get to the conference championship, um, and they'll be poised. I mean, Oklahoma State wins. They have a shot at making the Final Four. Uh, they're undefeated. They're at six right now. There are only a couple teams in front of them that have a chance to lose that probably will still lose. So to add on, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Lafayette is ranked 19th on the list. Not anymore. Not anymore? Nope. Last week they lost to, I think it was Coastal Carolina, 30-27. to 27. So that bumped them out. And going back to Mitch, um, as of right now, Oklahoma State has played Tulsa, which was a W, 16-7, to so didn't give a lot of points but didn't score a lot. And against the Tulsa team, I don't really know much about, but uh, kind of heavy offensive team in Oklahoma State, you would expect them to score more in kind of a lackluster non-conference game, to be honest. Next week, they played West Virginia and got a 27-13 win. Still, defense did pretty well. Offense did an okay job that day. And then... That then last weekend was when their or two weekends ago actually was when their offense went nuts. They played Kansas at Kansas, barn burner forty seven to seven. Again, they're giving up an average of what is that? Not even ten points. Not e- yeah, not even ten points. So they're a defensive team, and you can't forget about their Heisman potential finalist and Chubba Hubbard. 
for sure. Moving on from uh, the Big 12, Big Ten's coming up. We started with Friday. Friday, well, tomorrow we got Illinois, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I hope. Right, number 14 coming in. Um, Illinois also came off one of their top seasons that they've had in a while. Yeah. So they have a chance to maybe make some noise in their first game. And then we got Nebraska and Ohio State. Personally, I think Ohio State wins that by 27 plus. Anybody else, else want to give their score predictions for the Ohio State game? I, I have this Ohio State-Nebraska game. Like, I hope Nebraska does good just for their fans because they've had years and years of success only to have a years and years of disappointment. And But I honestly see this one being a second rendition of the Clemson-Georgia Tech game we had a week ago. Like, I, I feel like it's going to be a 70-plus to maybe 10 it's just going to be an onslaught of slaughter. Okay, I have a lot of friends that are Nebraska fans. And it is going to hurt their ears to say this, but the way Ohio State has looked in the past couple of years, the Big Ten basically gifted them another bye week. Because if this game was within 30 points, Ohio State didn't try hard enough. That's, that's honest a, truth. It's a moral win I for think, Nebraska. I think that Ohio State has too much firepower. I think their defense is going to play like they did. They had college game day there last year. Biggest game of the year for Nebraska. College, all eyes are on you. College game day is there. You had Dwayne Wade. got embarrassed. And it was embarrassing. I mean, I'm not even in Nebraska. It was embarrassing to watch. Up and down the field, you couldn't stop anything. You couldn't do anything on offense. Martinez comes back. You hope he has a year which Scott Frost wants him to have, a Heisman-type year. He, Scott Frost believes in Martinez enough to make everyone around there believe that he is the guy. Now, if he comes out and shows those numbers, great. I still don't think with Martinez playing at his best, they stand a chance against Ohio State. I hope they prove me wrong. I hope it's a great game. Um, I hope it's a game that everyone sleeps on, and all of a sudden we're looking on our scores, and in the fourth quarter we got a seven-point game going on in the shoe. That would be great. Do I think it's going to happen? I really don't. I don't. So the one thing I want to add is, like, where's the Coach Frost effect? When they got him from UCF, he was supposed to be able to recruit like crazy and be able to coach anybody he has. But, like, at Nebraska, he hasn't done anything. Who has he brought to Nebraska? That's a huge thing. Give it back to Brady. Yeah, adding on to that, I honestly do not think Coach Frost is the answer there. I don't. I feel like, although he had some bad years, Bo Pelini was by far one of the better coaches they've had in recent years. He was always... He was always getting to a bowl game. He had what, maybe two or three seasons that he didn't get to a bowl game, if I remember right. He was, he was and that's good. that's when he got fired. And I just, I just really don't think Scott Frost is the answer, considering the fact that he, what would you say, kind of shooed away Joe Burrow, when although Joe Burrow wasn't as highly touted as he was going into the NFL draft, he was a he was a damn good player at LSU. And to say that there was more talent in Nebraska at the time, 
it's just a flat out lie. It is. The the thing though, if Joe Burrow goes to Nebraska, he doesn't have Joe Brady. And Very true. Very Joe true. Brady made Joe Burrow. Because look at the year before that. It was like all right year. It wasn't. Yeah, they played UCF in the bowl game. Yeah. And, and Joe played okay. Mm-hmm. Played. I mean, they they had a, a lackluster year for LSU standards, obviously, following last year. And and yeah, like like you said, Joe Brady comes in, and all of a sudden it's a completely new offense. That game, if I remember right, Joe Burrow got absolutely rocked in that first half. Do you guys remember that hit? Yes. That hit was one of the biggest hits I've seen in college football that year. That hit was very big, and then he came out and showed out in that second half, and then that from there, Joe Burrow did not lose. Yeah, didn't lose. That's even the big question with him even at Cincinnati right now. Will he have the coaching and the players around him to be able to be what he's supposed to be? Well, to answer that question, yeah. I mean, look what he's doing right now. He doesn't have one of the, probably when healthy, the better receivers in the league in A.J. Green. Let's be honest. He's super talented. He's not that healthy, but he's still finding him open. Last game, he had like eight receptions for almost 100 yards. Joe, to another, um, I think it was T. Higgins. T. Higgins had over 100 yards. So he's finding ways to get the ball to these guys. And let, he's running around with it, like, to save his life. That line, offensive line is just not good. But the thing is, though, you don't want him to turn out what, what happened to Andrew Luck. He took all those hits for how many years? And he lasted, what, six years? And he was supposed to be the next coming. He was supposed to be the next Peyton Manning. And he Which he was. Yeah, but he, he just doesn't have the lifespan of career to put him in the Hall of Fame, which where he was supposed to be. Yeah, I can agree with that, too. Um, I mean, obviously, Cincinnati this year is going to be hunting for a first-round draft pick. Um, they, I Honestly, I think they found their guy. Joe Burrow is it. We are, Everyone was kind of speculating, yeah, you can do it in college, but can you do it in the NFL? Granted, they haven't Done won so many games, but he has looked phenomenal. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. He has looked very good. Different like decision making, um, accuracy, um, just in all general football IQ. He, everything that he learned that one year at LSU behind Joe Brady, he it like a sponge, completely absorbed it. He's turning into the NFL player that we all had hoped he would be. Um, you just like in Brady's point, you need to draft an offensive line behind him because he's going to get hurt, and, and it's going to be a a long career for. For Burrow, if he stays behind that lack of luster offensive line, it's kind of going off of what I hear from Colin Cowherd when I'm listening to him on the radio driving to work and driving from work. Three steps to building a good team: you got to find your quarterback, which I believe Cincinnati has found. Now you got to draft a line to protect your quarterback, which they don't have right now. Yes, they got Jonah Williams, I believe, from Alabama, who's right now hurt. He was hurt his first season. I'm pretty sure he's hurt again. So they're kind of banged up there. And then the third step was find a group to get to the other team's quarterback, which you've seen with Green Bay. They found a group to get to the quarterback. But that Cincinnati defense, yikes. Yeah, I just don't think right now. I I like Joe Burrow. He was my uh, quarterback pick out of the three that came out. 
But I just think Jonathan Taylor as a coach, they're going to have to like Zach. switch coaches. Zach Taylor. Yeah. Oh, Zach Taylor. Jonathan yeah, Taylor's the running back from Wisconsin. That's yeah. in Indianapolis. Yeah, right there. sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, they're going to have to get a new coach down the line. But maybe like an offensive guru, probably. Because they're going to have to find ways to scheme out of having a battle line. Because there's a lot of teams that have battle lines. I can just point to like the Bears every year. Their line is just sucks. You have to have a quarterback that can do when the line is bad. Definitely. And, I mean, Joe Burrow behind that can be that guy, like we said before. But it's just how long can he be that guy? And in Cincinnati, you, you've honestly had a team that's been kind of there for the last couple of years. And now you're kind of a little closer. But you want to be all the way there. You want that. You want to go into every game going, yeah, Joe Burrow's going to throw for close to 300 yards, probably three touchdowns. You're going to have a good fantasy day. We're going to probably walk out with a W. You don't have to worry about him getting hit on his blind side. You don't have to worry about is it going to have to be all Joe Mixon because Joe Burrow keeps getting hit. Like you don't, you want to have a good balance in like how Cash said to have a scheme on offense where you can um, kind of be more dual because uh, I feel like a lot of times it's it's either Joe's throwing it or Joe Mixon's running it, and it's it's one or the other, and you need to have that balance. How a lot of teams have. Uh, I mean, even look at, I mean, they're not playing the hottest right now, but New England. Or even if you go to Kansas City, look at the run. I mean, you brought in, they have a decent O-line. Pretty good O-line, actually. Clutchy's out, but they, they found a good replacement behind him. But you have a rookie running back who everyone kind of snarled at. I, some people um, didn't want like Clyde. Like, and, like, like Logan. Yeah, Logan, Logan was a little, you know, didn't. He was a little weary on it. A little weary He on didn't it. like it. He and thought he was too. He, they drafted him too high, and now I bet you Logan's like, "Well, take that back." Exactly, and then they, and then they get they have him going off, and and you put that with Patrick Mahomes, who can throw the ball. I'm not comparing Joe Burrow to Patrick Mahomes. Don't don't get ahead of me on that one. But they're not one dimensional. Every down, you don't know if they're going to run it. And now with getting Le'Veon Bell, you don't know if they're going to run it with their two headed monster at running back, or if they're going to throw it to their plethora of weapons. And with Cincinnati, you have it's going to be one day you're going to stop the run, and then they can't pass. And the next day you're going to stop the pass, and then they can't run. And they're not at that point where they can be two-dimensional, and defenses know that, and they're taking advantage of it. The one thing I want to add, Joe Burrow in a single game threw 61 passes against Cleveland. And every game this year, he has thrown for 30-plus passes. Now look across the entire league. And tell me how many quarterbacks actually do that. Because I can just point to like Ryan Tannehill. He'll he'll maybe like throw twenty passes and they're good with that. But there's a thing with that. The reason he's passing thirty plus times is because they're playing from behind. When you play from behind, you don't run the ball. You you just can't. Yeah, yeah, kind of- yeah you, you sometimes you have to just to keep the defense off balance. But you got to throw the ball. That's the only way. That's the fastest way down the field. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's, that's how you true. score. It's very true. So, like, the other thing is, I just don't think Joe Mixon is the type of guy that can run for a 1,000 yards every year. 
I just don't think he's that guy. They're going to get. They're going to need another running back on that team. They used to have um, what was his name? Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard. And I I know I screwed up the name, but they at least they had two running backs back then. They need to get back to the days when you could look at the Bengals team and be like, yeah, they can run 100 yards a game. That's what they need to help out Joe Burrow because when that's the case, then they can't just... They're, they're bl- two-dimensional. They're yeah. Two, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they can't blitz the crap out of you either on every play. Outside of their offense, they also need some defense. If you guys saw that Colts game, they were up 21 nothing. Where that final? Where that final end up? Yes, I know they only scored six more points after the Bengals did, but they give up 31 after going up 21. Yeah, definitely. Joe needs, jo- jo needs help all around, and and I think they'll get that through drafts and through off season, and, and they'll work towards it because I think not that Andy Dalton was a bad quarterback, but they it was he wasn't the guy. And I think they found it with Joe, and now they're ready to build a team around it. Because if you don't have the guy, you're not going to build a team around a guy that's, uh, we'll, we'll sign him for a couple more years. Yeah, that's the big question, I think, with the three quarterbacks that was, that was drafted. Especially with Tula. He just had that hip surgery, and I think like they're forcing him to play this year because of how good the other two are playing. And if like he it. gets hurt, this will be the end of what I think will be a very good Dolphins team. They are on a two-game win streak already, and I think they're just pushing it too much. Yeah, I like I told Mitch the other day, I don't like the move to do. Like like Mitch had told me, yeah, if you're maybe 1-5 or 0-6 at this point, you maybe go to Tua just to see what he has to offer. But when you're three and three and fighting for a division title, I mean you gotta stick with the guy who's got you win so far, right? Stick with the hot end, yeah. They are going way too early. Ryan Fitzpatrick, look what he's done. We're Fitzmagic. I need to name him that. Ryan Fitzmagic. That man has done a lot for this Dolphins team. For this is their best start for a while. They usually start with, usually without a win. Usually they're lucky to get a few wins. But I think the difference between them. And the Chargers is that the Chargers had to go to Justin Herbert. That's why he came out so early. Yes, he was maybe looking to be the starter at the beginning. Everyone thought. And then Chargers head coach came out with um, Tyrod Taylor coming out. But ever since the change, it's worked for the Chargers. So let's see if it can work for the Dolphins. The one question I think the Dolphins are know, know what's going to happen is look at Ryan Fitzpatrick on the Buccaneers when he first, his first couple of games, he looked like the second coming of Drew Brees. But then if you get into it more, he like always has that stretch of bad games. He even had that good, there was only one season ever that he actually put a full season together. And that was with his first season on New York Jets when he threw for 31 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. But besides that, he's always had a stretch of games that has cost the team wins. And that's his problem. And I get where you're coming from, Cash, because like he's he's a fantasy god if you have him on his good days. And he is the worst nightmare to have on your fantasy team during his bad games. But kind of the point that a lot of us from the outside looking in are, are getting at is he hasn't had that bad game yet. 
And, and and I personally think you have two on the back burner. If he starts off a first half and you guys are down 21 points, Fitzy's thrown three picks, the drives, nothing looks like it's going to be progressing at all, then, hey, Tua, after half you're going in. This is your time to shine. Not not starting off. And their first game back is against the Rams. Like, it's not against a slouch team. Like, this this Rams team's good. And their diva. He has to face Aaron Donald. A man that just came off a of hip surgery. He came into the like the garbage time of their last game. Played okay. And I understand that he has time to learn the playbook. I understand he has time to get with his receivers for a week and stuff like that. And learn first string offense stuff. I don't like the move. I think if... Fitzmagic ran out, like his magic ran out, then that's the time to put him in. But right now it's too early. I think that their season was on a high slope. Um, I don't know with Tua if it keeps trending upward. Um, I think it, at best it flatlines. And, you know, they finish 8-8. Eight and eight. By the time they finish 8-8, eight and eight, there's going to be another team in that division that, that, that really takes over. I think the Bills are going to be – trending up they had a couple sour times i think they get back into the swing of things and then i also think that um new england comes off that ugly loss to denver go broncos uh comes off that ugly loss to denver um where they just they didn't look in in unison and that might have been because of the covid that might have been because of lack of practices um and and i think that they're going to come back and you know by the time if they stay at a flush at best 500 they're gonna get passed by new england they're gonna be third in the division i don't see them falling to dead last like they normally are but i just feel like it's the wrong move as of right now to take tan hill out of the starting job or it's magic excuse me not tan hill i apologize (laughs) the thing is i'm just so used to him being there i know i think um they're doing this on purpose for the rams game because you know Every time when you first get hurt, you're a little bit skittish when you get back. And I think they're trying to get him to get him hit some a little bit so then he actually feels like he can take it and he can stick in the pocket and throw the throws he needs to throw. I think that's why they're doing it for the Rams game. I wouldn't have done it, but I think that's the reasoning for it. I got you, 100%. And we'll get back into the professional football here in just a second. We kind of got off topic. We were talking about college here. We'll get back onto college and get back into into the uh, NFL news here. We got uh, well, quick hitters, just uh, three more games. Um, a big North Carolina rivalry. You got NC State at North Carolina. North Carolina uh, put up um, a good first part of the year. Um, you know, I think they got to number five. Number last last week they were number five. Number five, and and, and now they're they're down to fourteen. Um, it's not that they looked terrible. Um, they did look beatable. Uh, I don't know if it, with that one loss, unless you had to go in and beat Clemson uh, twice, do it in the regular season, and then again do it in the um, ACC championship game, that you would make it to the final four. Um, but I think this game's gonna be good. NC State's coming off; they're looking. Um, quite good this year um you know better than they have in, in the past it's always in-state rivalry is always going to be a closer game than what people think i honestly think north Carolina bounces back i think they have a uh, a good game i think they win by seven and i think that they take their uh, in-state battle with nc state 
Who do you guys have as the biggest upset this week? I'll let you guys go first before I say mine. Mine's mine. I'm going with uh, Joel Klatt on this one. I really think that uh, Pitt is going to take down Notre Dame. I don't believe Notre Dame is what everybody's accustomed to. Like last week against a Louisville team who has been very underperforming as of late. They beat them 12-7. to Like, you're Notre Dame... Your top five team in the country almost every year. Usually, that should be a fifty-plus nothing maybe game, not a twelve to seven game. So with Pitt's rush defense, like it's been, and the inability to throw on Notre Dame's end, they'd have to go to the run game. I don't see Notre Dame getting past this one. I just don't. I'm gonna go nursery rhyme on you guys. Row, row, row the boat. Let's go Minnesota over Michigan. I think Michigan every year is overhyped. I mean, Harbaugh does a good job. He's going to be wearing his khakis. It's going to be cold. It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a defensive game. College game day is there. All the eyes on you. Last time college game day was there against Penn State. Came out. He's going to have his guys ready to play. Both coaches are. PJ. <laughs> I, think, I think Flex guys got, got this one. I think it's going to be if it was later in the year. When when uh, Michigan kind of gets the ball rolling, I feel like early in the year they're kind of like um, Iowa State in that way where they're not super all the way prepared in their early games. Um, I think this is one Michigan's able to drop. They're a favorite on the road in college game day. I just don't see it happening. I got Mich- uh, Michigan losing to Minnesota. Can you really call that one an upset, though? I mean, it's 21 against 18. I mean, I see, I see per rankings-wise, but I, I honestly feel like Minnesota's the better team coming into this season, considering where they finished last season. They always Vegas has the odds as plus three for your home team. They're giving Michigan three, so that means a six-point spread, basically. So, oh, I, honestly, I kind of did take the easy way out. I'm not going to lie to you. I did take the easy way out. But if, if Vegas is so high on... Michigan to basically give them six points because the home team always gets three. I, I, I take it as an upset. I think a lot of people are going to think that Minnesota's last year was a fluke and that this year is not going to be the same. They still got an insane quarterback. They're going to be kicking on all cylinders. I think it's going to be hard for Michigan to keep up, to be honest. I honestly think it's a low-scoring game, but I think I think it's instead of a three-point swing to Michigan, I think Minnesota wins by a touchdown. So I think that's because of the John Harbaugh effect. They, if you don't, if you don't know who to pick in a team, you pick the coach that you believe is better. And so I'm thinking that is what the people in Vegas are thinking. They did the same thing. Look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban didn't come out the coach, and then they dropped them off in points. I so, can agree yep. with that. I can definitely agree with that for sure. Yep. Yeah, because I heard that on the radio. Yeah, it came out that same one was going to coach. They had Georgia. I think it was a. I think no, it was Alabama. Was a six-point favorite at the time, and then when it came out that Saban wasn't coaching, it dropped to I think it was two and a half. 
But then when it came back that he was coaching, back up to six, six and a half. It's, but I don't feel like Harbaugh has the same effect that Saban has. I just don't feel like Harbaugh's of that, that level, cali- of yeah. that caliber yet as a college coach. All right, going back to the upsets, I'm gonna go with Brady. I had this one locked in before I even asked the question, but um, Notre Dame has not played a good team since their playoff performance last year, which they got pounded last year. Two years ago. Two years ago, sorry. Last year they mutilated Iowa State. They mutilated Iowa State. Oh, wow. Chase Claypool. Yeah. yeah. That's my bad. Don't worry, it's all it's just it's just bad memories I gotta relive forever. Shout out Notre Dame, you guys played a hell of a game. Alright, anyway, but um Yeah, the games I have played this year so far, Duke, not not usually a contender for anybody. Nope. USF, nothing really about them usually. Florida State have been very downhill ever since Dalvin Cook and um, James Winston. James Winston came through. Yes, sir, crab legs. And Kelvin Benjamin. And Louisville, like we said, Louisville isn't looking their isn't looking their greatest, and they only beat them by five. Yeah. But I think Notre Dame's quarterback Ian Book is not the real deal. I mean, in four games, he doesn't have a lot of yards, three touchdowns, a pick. Not the greatest. He's almost at fifty percent. Yeah, I I mean. It's. Going on that, I think a lot of times you play to the level of the teams you're playing. And I know that's so cliche to say. Um, I think I'm on the opposite side of you guys. I think Notre Dame bounces back because everyone's talking about them. Oh, you better beat Louisville. I think they come out. They show they're the real deal. They show they're number four, number five. I can't. Is Ohio State, Ohio State jump them? They moved to three. They are three. Ohio, Ohio State has not moved. Okay, well, then they're going to show that they deserve to be in the top four. I think they come out, and I think they absolutely handle business. I think Ian Book throws for more touchdowns than he's had all year. I think he throws for three-plus. I think Notre Dame looks phenomenal. Back at it. I think their loss comes later in the year. In two weeks. So this is going to surprise some people, but I really think LSU is really not that good this year. So I'm picking South Carolina. Over at LSU. Interesting. Interesting. So, because they have lost literally everybody. So, that's why I think I'm going with that. But, Mitch, what do you... I mean, I, I kind of agree with you as well. Um, obviously, LSU's not the same without Joe Burrow. LSU's not the same without Joe Brady. LSU's not the same without... They're half their team that went to the draft. They're not going to be the same. Um... We'll see. I mean, LSU, LSU at home. LSU at home. They don't lose at home. Granted. They did Things, happen. Things happen. Things happen. I understand. But I don't think LSU loses at home. South Carolina is good. But LSU ain't losing at home, man. Coming off a loss. At, wasn't last weekend their Missouri loss? Or was that? Yeah, that was last weekend. Yeah, coming, coming off a loss, I think Coach O it just is going to hammer them this week, hammer it in their head that, hey, guys, that's not LSU football that we played last week. Let's get back to the basics, back to LSU football, and let's go kick some butt. Exactly. I feel like that's what it's going to be this week. Exactly. Go Tigers. So I think it's going to – their loss last week is starting more of a trend than an anomaly. I just don't see them being that good this year. I think they might even be below 500 this year, to be honest. 
All right, and then the nightcapper, uh, well, one of the nightcappers, really. I and mean, I think the best game that's going to be on at night, BYU taking on Texas State. I think that's a blowout. Um, you got a ranked uh, matchup between number nine Cincinnati and number 16 SMU. Um, I'm going roll stangs on this one. Uh, SMU at home is going to be hard to beat. Um, and then maybe I'm a little bit biased just because a lot of Denver receivers have come from SMU. Shout out to Colin Sutton. Um, but, the, I mean, the, both these teams are going to score a ton of points. Um, there's going to be absolutely no defense played. This, it, I don't know what the under over for this game is. It's got to be a million. Uh, but I got SMU winning that one for the nightcap for our final of our college football picks. All right, and I think we're going on to the hot take. Uh, we're going to try to have one hot take per episode. Um, today's hot take is going to be by Adam Cash. Um, Adam, take it away. So my heart, heart take um, is going to be, Logan would hate me for this, but I'm saying basically Patrick Holmes is just the next Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be one Super Bowl Everybody thought he's going to have more, but he'll just never get there. He'll be close, but that's going to be it. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a good chance, but you still got to realize Aaron Rodgers still got, what, four, maybe five years left? There's still a chance for him to get another one. And Patrick Mahomes, he's, what, 25? 20, just turned 25, I believe, a couple of months ago. And shout out to him. Hopefully he has a beautiful little baby girl on the way. But, um, yeah, uh, he's got time. He's got at least 15 years ahead of him in a great system with Andy Reid. Granted, if Andy Reid may retire before Patrick's done, you just don't know those things. I just feel like that team is just too good to not win another one. So you say that, but basically I think, well, all they, they, got, they just got everybody on contracts right now. And I think, look, if they don't get one in the next five years, it's going to be pretty difficult because they're going to be cap-strapped in about five years. Because that's when uh, Patrick Mahomes starts making even more money what he's even making the next two years. As a college football analyst, the course would say, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> look, I'm a Bronco fan. Do I hate seeing Patrick Mahomes in my same division? Do we have to play them twice a year? Of course I do. Do I think he's going to be the same as Aaron Rodgers? Statistically-wise, passing yards, touchdowns, different stuff like that? Yes. I think he's going to win more rings than Aaron Rodgers does. The team they have right now, and, and, and I think Logan would definitely agree with me here, the team they have right now, offensively, I don't know can get much better. Defensively, can they get a little bit better? Yes, of course they can. They they have some bonehead penalties, and I feel like their their corner play has been okay. Safety play obviously with um, Honey Badger is insane. Their lines good, but again they have some bonehead penalties. Andy Reid will have that cleaned up, and then you know it doesn't matter when your defense isn't playing that good. When you score forty points a game, he's going to be slinging the ball. They, they even if they don't win it this year, which I think they're they're obviously a very good favorite to win it this year. If they don't win it this year. They're going to get different draft picks on defense to go around Patrick Mahomes. They're going to load different parts of the salary cap. Their players, I would assume, would take not cuts, 
but restructure their contract into making it feasible for them. They have a great GM. They have a great head coach. They have a great quarterback. Everyone running the ship is leading that thing in the right direction. I don't see them slipping up anytime soon. Um, I think they're going to be the favorite to win the Super Bowl for the next four or five years. Pains me to say that as being a Bronco fan. But don't be surprised if Patrick Mahomes, by the time he retires, has five rings. Do not be surprised. I don't. I just like. I see the formula that the Patriots did against Kansas City. And then next week, the Raiders replicated it and got the win. I feel like right now, if you just run the ball on Kansas City and keep it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, you have a very good chance that you're winning the game. Now that I don't know, sometimes Patrick Mahomes comes back, sometimes he doesn't. I just don't think they can keep this team together that they have right now down the line. Like, there's some GMs out there that basically said that, yeah, basically 10 years, you basically have to redo coach, redo GM, just to get a new perspective on what to do with the franchise. But I, I'm, I could be wrong. There's a high likelihood I am. I just thought this would be a great talking point. And going back to what Mitch said about the whole contracts and everything, Back to my home's contract, people don't realize that even though it's for half a billion dollars, it's stretched out over how many years. And he's actually in the long run saving money for the Chiefs, unlike what probably what Dak Prescott wants. And he wants a short deal, a lot of money. Pat went a lot, a lot of money, long time. Because he knows he's got the stability there to stay there a long time. And not only the stability, they have the money options open well the, the reason why Dak wants a short deal is because basically the, I think it's like four to five years there's a new TV contract up and they're supposed to be getting ten times what they're going to get on this current deal so that's Dak Prescott's reasoning and maybe that's going to also help Kansas City down the line with their salary cap because it should increase by that much but you never know and I didn't want to be into that kind of what if because you don't know what the money's going to be definitely definitely and first first things first you know hopefully Dak has a speedy recovery hopefully he gets that contract signed um as much as all of us hate on the Cowboys um you never want to see someone go down with an injury like that and especially because he really hasn't gotten his money yet um you know, hopefully Jerry sees that he is the quarterback that he wants and pays him not as much as what he wants, but pays him enough to, to get him by. I mean, he's he deserves to get paid. Um, obviously, you can tell with their first game with Andy Dalton, who isn't a terrible quarterback. They're they're not the same team without Dak Prescott. Hopefully, that man gets paid and paid good. Yeah, hopefully. I wish that injury was just a cramp, like Tony Romo said, but. Um, yeah, hope for a recovery for Dak Prescott, but, um, yeah. Oh, Tony. Tony, that just a cramp thing. He's never gonna, he's never gonna live that down. He's not. He's not. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, going to the, the Patrick Mahomes hot take, you can really be a coin flip on it, and that's the thing, is it's not, it's, we're not talking about the team. We're talking about one one player, and and that can really be a 
a coin flip thing. You know, I mean, knock on wood. But what happens if Patrick Mahomes sustains the same injury as Dak Prescott does? You know, the Chiefs have to bring in a backup quarterback who's not obviously Patrick Mahomes caliber. Do they fall, lose a couple games, and then not able to make the playoffs? That's one year out. Comes back, not the same from injury. You know, there's a lot of things that weigh in. The way that it's going now, I project him winning about five ranks before he retires. I, I, I know that number seems high to some people. He's already won one in basically the three years he's been in the league. This will be year four, I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really know if you even want to count that year where he started the last four or five games in front of Alex Smith. This is his fourth year. Two games. Yeah, two games in Alex Smith. But so I think he's starting to get to the prime of his career. They already won one with the formula that they have. People are trying to emulate it and copy it. I just don't see Patrick Mahomes being the same as Aaron Rodgers. Not saying Aaron Rodgers isn't good. I don't see him being the same as Aaron Rodgers. I think by the time he hangs his cleats up, he is ahead on the legacy spot that Aaron Rodgers is. So, like, even to your point, Aaron Rodgers went two seasons, had two broken collarbones. So... That may have been part of the problem, but you never know because of injury. And the other thing is, do you think Andy Reid is Bill, the same as Bill Belichick? Because look at Andy Reid and the Eagles when they went to the Super Bowl. Like, I just don't see it. I just don't see Andy Reid being as good as Bill Belichick or uh, Bill Walsh. Because those are your two guys you're facing that are at the top of the coaching tree that had... What, at least, I know Bill Walsh had three rings at least, and Belichick has had, what, five or six? But. Yeah, but um, going back to Patrick Mahomes, like he said, what was it? Halfway through his MVP season, he finally figured out how to read defenses. That Like, that's insane. Dude had an MVP season, and he half the time didn't know what coverages were defense was running. So, like Mitch said, he's now entering his prime. And to see what he's done already is just crazy. Well, to your point there, Brett Favre actually had a similar story. Yeah, I love the Brett Favre story. Yeah, I think Mitch, you might know it better than I do. So, <laughs> Brett, uh, so the Brett Favre story that you're talking about is... Oh, we got an injury. Sorry, I was watching the game is when he's talking about um is it it's a coverage yeah. i can't remember what coverage it's it is it's a coverage when you uh switch out a a Isn't linebacker it, for a db yeah nickel 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 yeah, yeah. And, and he asks his back <laughs> this is so funny he asks his uh backup quarterback what the difference is and he just goes oh you switch out a linebacker for a db and he's like oh that's it He's like, no, you didn't know that the whole time. Even in college, he didn't know that. I mean, it's funny that 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 that's just, that happened. But Brett Favre is a whole different breed of quarterback, and I don't even want to get into the comparisons of Patrick Mahomes and Brett Favre. But, um, I mean, Cash, kind of to your point too. Comparing Andy Reid to Bill Belichick, it's comparing two different things. Andy Reid is an offensive guru. Bill Belichick is a defensive guru. Um, I mean, even when they had, like, 
you could tell through all of their years that the years that they did well and they won their Super Bowls, that defense was key. Granted, they had Tom Brady, probably going to go down to the best to ever th- throw the football. But their defenses were so. I mean, Malcolm Butler sealed a, a Super Bowl for them himself, a pick on the goal line. Their defenses they had every single year they won were so good that to compare him to Andy Reid is so different because Andy Reid is an offensive-minded coach and Bill Belichick is a defensive-minded coach. But you got to remember, what's that old saying they always say? Defenses win championships. And I give credit where credit's due. They did have a great defense the last couple times that they won it. Kansas City's defense last year, okay during the regular season, stellar during the playoffs. Kicked into a whole nother gear. I think when you have Honey Badger and, and those guys leading that defense, and they kind of play with a chip on their shoulder because people like us on the outside looking in are like, you know, it's uh, it's it's all the offense. And, and you have the, the defense kind of come up and go, you know what, we have something to prove as well. So I think the defense is going to be a lot better come playoff time than it is right now, just like it was last year. And I think that, you know, even going forward, they're going to look to grab more pieces on that defense to make that defense even more stellar. So I, that's that's going to probably end it for the hot takes segment there. Um, I knew that when you kind of opened it up, I knew that was going to rile some feathers. Um, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully we have more hot takes like this. Uh, kind of rolling off with that. I want to get some conversation going. If that sparked any conversation through the listeners, um, again, let us know. Uh, we thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.